0: Welcome to the Aftershock Central Podcast with Travis and Martin. Yeah. Happy 2020. This is our first episode of the year. We've been off for like three weeks. Yes. Uh,
1: you know, it's, it's such a rigorous schedule. We just needed to to get our rest, but like we're back and we're hungry.
0: Uh, I am a little hungry. I had like a piece of a Reuben that uh, my wife didn't eat. That's all I ate today. Delicious. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Reuben might be my favorite sandwich. The corned beef Reuben, not that turkey fake Reuben. The real Reuben. Yeah, I uh, mean pastrami is pretty good. Oh, pastrami right. is so good, and they use that marble rye bread. Oh man, it's good. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, I had a uh,
1: like a Reuben phase in uh in college. Did you? Like, yeah, yeah, like going around to to all the delis I could find to try their Reuben.
0: Oh, that's so funny. So I've never had that with Reubens. Uh, but I do, I, I mean, I love Rubens. And, like, if a place has a Rubin I'll get it. Um, unless it's a Philly cheesesteak. Hmm. So, everywhere I go, I always look for Philly cheesesteak because for some reason, nobody knows how to make a good Philly cheesesteak. Like, unless you're, like, near the Philly area.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's super hard, dude. Uh, go to the supermarket, buy a can of Cheese Whiz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Done. Uh huh, sure. Anyways, this is not the, uh, Cheese Whiz podcast it's the, the cheese so, central cheesewees, central yeah, cheese whatever <laughs> that thing spray cheese uh we're here to talk about comics and uh it's been a while so i hope everyone had a good christmas good new year uh good that's over let's get to uh talking about some books and yeah, i'm um, excited i'm excited too we're only going to talk about one book uh we do know that there were books last week we were a little busy we didn't get to record we're not going to talk about them uh we're gonna talk about midnight vista because that's this week's yes last week but is over. before we
1: do that though
0: before we do that yes uh let's yeah, talk about this books. new book announcement yes. uh there's a new book that's been announced dead day written by ryan Parrott, uh with art by evgeny Bornikov, uh whom i love that's the uh the artist for you are obsolete uh so that's gonna be awesome and i don't know if you did you get a chance to look at the covers for this book? Uh,
1: yeah, I did. Uh, something jumped out at me, but now it's, now I'm blanking.
0: Well, I mean, I'm assuming it's the, uh, Francisco Francavela cover cause it's freaking badass. Yeah. So that's the cover that I'm going to get on this, uh, which means I will not be getting, well, I mean, I guess I'll still get it on Comicsology, uh, but I'm going to have to buy a, a print copy of this cause I love this cover. I love all his yeah, covers, dude. He's freaking awesome.
1: That's a nice cover.
0: Yeah. It's sweet. Uh, yeah, so Dead Day. Uh, this is a new book by Ryan. Of course, he's done a bunch of stuff with Astroshock before. And uh, this takes place on one day out of the year where the dead come to life. So it's a psychological horror story about the dead rising, uh, inspired by, like, a weird thought that Ryan had, apparently. Um I don't know if you got a chance to read it. But apparently, like, he was thinking about his grandparents dying. And he's like, what if, like... They came back for a day and like, that's where the story came from. Uh, which I think is super cool. Uh, and you can go like many different directions with this. Uh, and I think, I think Ryan's a really interesting guy because every book that he's done for Aftershock has been very different. You know what I mean? Uh, he never tackles the same kind of topic. So we'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, dude. The, the concept kind of made me think of, um, you know, Dia yeah, de los Muertos for some reason or, yes. you know, like, like, some of the media that, that that has built up around that. Uh you know, like what whether or not that like stands up to scrutiny. Yeah, probably not. Um but it looks cool for sure.
0: Yeah, it looks very cool. Um I love zombie stuff. So I'm I'm totally for this. Uh I was I was trying to figure out like if this is like a, a full arc story or if this is like vignettes of stories uh, i don't know if you ever read uh the the book world war z uh not watch the movie the movie is not the book um the book's awesome the movie's kind of meh but uh it's in in that book you have like different stories different vignettes of like the the zombie war basically uh and the aftermath and it's it's freaking awesome i hope like this is something like that where each issue is kind of self-contained, but you're telling this overall story.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, like in that way, I I don't know. The benefit is you can kind of extend it as long as it's good, you know, like, like it, it doesn't take as much advanced planning. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, that sounds like an interesting approach. You know, some people maybe more like need a singular narrative, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it sounds like an interesting idea.
0: Yes. I agree. Uh, so we'll see. This is coming out April 15th, so we still have a couple of months before it's out. But, uh, I'm very excited. It's a good creative team and interesting story. And I love me some horror. My, my tweet about this was, there better be a character named Martin in it.
1: Dude, how many <laughs> characters do you need?
0: I need all the characters. Okay, yeah, I, gotta, I, I gotta keep somebody- my lead on Ronnie. Yeah, I mean, are you are you
1: keeping score? Because no. I would be very serious. I feel like you're way in the lead. I am pretty sure I am. is is like a distant second, and I am like basically not on the board.
0: All right, we need. All right, forget Martin. This book needs to have a character named Travis.
1: No, I don't want it now. I yeah, like you know. Thanks. I don't need your pity. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, the uh, the preview pages for it look really good, so I'm excited, man. Very excited. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard this whole thing. Do you know Do you know the origin of like the whole Halloween, uh, All Saints Day, all that stuff? Like those three days.
1: Um, I mean, be- besides it being like a, um, like whatever, a solstice festival or something, like like a pagan festival.
0: Yes, but the, yeah, it is a quote unquote pagan festival. Um, anyway, apparently it has to do with the, uh, the meteor showers, the torrid meteor showers. Um, because they happen at, at this time of year, like these three days are when they're like the most, the, the brightest or whatever in the sky. Uh, you get the most meteors shooting through the atmosphere at this time of the year. Um, so the theory is that like at some point, like some of these, asteroids or whatever like hit and a bunch of people died so like it's a yearly celebration of of this thing that happened really yeah huh yeah pretty interesting anyways looking forward to that one dead day god what a cool day i want this in real (laughs) life i'm prepared for the apocalypse all right let's move on to midnight vista number five uh this is the final issue of the series of course, written by a friend of the show, Elliot Rahal, with art by Clara Meath, colors by Mark Englert, and letters by Taylor Esposito. Uh, so thoughts, Travis? Uh,
1: okay, I guess first thought is, this is the final issue? Yes. Is, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was a little bit confused with the ending, If mm. like, if it's... I don't know if you're down to, to jump right towards the end and, and hash that out a bit.
0: Uh, sure. If you want to start there. Uh, okay. Um,
1: so like, obviously, uh, you know, the men in black or whatever, they're up in the helicopter mm-hmm. above, uh, the building. Um, and you know, Oliver sets off running the cop, Who's wounded? Shoots uh, like the cult leader, who's going to gun him down, and then he like I guess he jumps off the edge of the building and not sh- like like pretty much it's over. Like we see a glimpse of the uh, you know his friend from the UFO. Mm-hmm. So I guess that implies that the UFO came back and took him away.
0: So that's not what I got out of it, but okay. I, I can definitely see that reading. Uh, maybe we should ha- ask Elliot what the, the intended reading is. Uh, so the way that I saw it ha- was a little more, uh, let's just say, esoteric maybe. Because uh, okay. you have all the stuff with the Star Children, uh, which I definitely want to talk about because I don't know if you know this, but the Star Children is a real thing. Um, you have this whole thing with the Star Children, and they're talking about – like. Uh, what's the, the term? I think it's like transmigration of the soul kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um There's all this like back and forth between like communicating with these like extra dimensional entities, right? Because they're not – like the aliens are not like physical beings, right? They're like some other dimensional thing. We just see them as like the big-eyed gray aliens because like our brains are too stupid to like see what they really are basically, right? So we we use like our preconceived notions of what an alien would be, and that's what we see him as. Um, now that to me that doesn't explain the men in black. So I do want to come to to that at some point. Um, but uh, oh man, now I lost my train of thoughts. So, oh yeah, that's Star Children. So they're talking about like basically communicating with these dimensional beings, and like Oliver finds out the reason why he was sent back was to be able to save his stepfather, right? Because his stepfather is sick and dying uh, from this whole process of, like, being abducted into this other dimension by the aliens. Um, so my reading for that last scene was, like, he jumps off the building and somehow, like, in doing that, kind of achieves what the Star Children were going to do, except, like, they're full of crap and, like, he's the real deal because he actually got abducted by these beings, so he's, like, a true star child. Um, and so he, like, he becomes one of these extra-dimensional beings, right? Like, he he accomplishes the mission, which is coming back to save his stepfather. And that's how he saves him.
1: Okay. I mean, so a, a lot of that, I feel, um, is, is kind of, like, a, a, a pretty close reading of what the cult leader, Raj, was saying,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So So, like, you know... I guess I was confused reading that. Like I was like, "Oh crap, this dude's crazy," mm-hmm. you know. And and like that he, you know, like I I know certainly they do talk to um like his experience on the UFO and being like, "We're gonna take the shape of something that you can deal with," like yeah. that trope. So I guess I'm down with that. I just I don't know. I I guess I wasn't ready to really. Consider that, uh, like, this cult leader guy actually knew what he was talking about.
0: I see what you mean. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I want to come back to the cult leader in a few. Um, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, um, but I, I want to – you know what? Let's just go ahead. Um, so are you familiar with Star Children? No, just do it, man. All right. What? So this is some, like, weird, like, new-agey thing. Okay. Um By the way, if you believe in star children, I'm not demeaning your beliefs. Uh, I believe all beliefs are equally valid. Um, but uh, basically it's like these people that think their children are basically like sent here from like the universe, right? By like – not necessarily God, but like some kind of extra-dimensional entity or force or civilization or whatever – Um, because like humans are stupid and we're ruining everything. So they're sending these like special children that have like psychic abilities and like really high, like empathy, emotional brains to like help us advance like evolutionarily in the universe. Okay. So like we stop being dumb apes and like become like these beings that are sending the star children here. Um, so there's like different kinds of star children. There's like indigo children. Um what's the other? I think it's like indigo, crystal, like rainbow. There's like different kinds of star children. Um and each of these different star children have like different qualities, right? So like indigo star children would be like kids that would like upend the the establishment basically. Right. So, like, think of like Jesus or Buddha or something like that. Like, they would be indigo children, right? They're sent here by these otherworldly entities to like expand their consciousness and like show us new ways of thinking about the world. Um, then like some of these types of children, like, that's not their purpose. Their purpose is to like make people like have some common sense, basically, right? Like, they're very chill, like, uh, they, they see things in a much wider scope. So they're able to like bring those big ideas and kind of numb them down a little bit, I guess. Um, and then like rainbows, like a combination of all these things. Anyways, it's like a whole thing. If you go on YouTube and look this up, like you will be <laughs> astounded by this stuff. Like there's like star children conferences, right? Where like parents take their kids there. Um, And you can make your own decision on how you feel about these people and what they do or do not do with their kids or to their kids psychologically. Um, but like these people fervently believe this. And, and again, that's fine. Uh, all beliefs are equally valid. So that's kind of where the, I I feel the idea for these star children come in. Um, I don't know, like the, the stuff that I've seen of star children, it's always like smaller kids. Um, there are like some adults that have kind of been raised as star children, um, which I feel like maybe they're not really living to their purpose. Because I don't know that the, any of these star children are doing anything like outside of their star children community. Uh, so I think it's interesting that that concept is brought into this book. Um, and I understand why, because I think overall it makes sense into – what the ultimate goal of the story ends up being. Um, but I, I found it really interesting because when the Star Children were introduced in this book a few issues ago, uh, I was very well, – was it last issue or issue three? It doesn't matter. Uh, when they were introduced, I was like, this group is pretty culty, right? And I think Elliot mm-hmm. does a good job of, like, playing around with that a little bit, right? Because, like, they even talk about it themselves. Like, they joke about it, right? Like, oh, people see us as a cult. Well, are you a cult? Oh, uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, uh, dude. Which – like cool they know that they're a cult um but like you know what's a cult right like every religion starts off as a cult so uh that, that to me that means nothing right um but so it oh it from the interactions that we've had with the star children it did feel like maybe they were some kind of benevolent group right like modern day hippies basically and and as we find out in this issue that's really not quite the case cuz for some reason, Raj feels like this turns into, um oh, God, what was that? The ones with the hale comet? Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. It, it ends up being very Heaven's Gate, right? Like, the ultimate goal is to communicate with these extra-dimensional entities. And the only way to do that, of course, is to leave your physical body behind and, like, use your soul to communicate with them. And how do you do that? Well, like, they're all going to shoot themselves in the head. Right. So you have a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the Jonestown, don't drink the Kool-Aid kind of thing. Um, which I, I thought was really interesting how that whole thing was played around with. I would love to see Elliot, like, tackle some other story with this, like, cult mentality being a more prominent aspect of the book, uh, if that makes sense. Cause I thought, like, he really nailed, like, the psychology of these groups.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think it begs the question, you know, like, do you think that, you know, this guy, uh, the cult leader was right? Or, you know, like, are you saying you think that he's wrong about, like, the people, like, shooting themselves in the head and, like, that being this transmigration null event?
0: Um, I think, again, because I've seen some of these, like, star children things on YouTube – Um, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with like the rationale behind some of these things. And I think this kind of maybe is a callback to part of the discussion we had with Elliot, right? We're like, if you really fervently believe in something like that's your reality kind of thing. And we, we don't see what happened to Raj or any of these other kids, right? The only event that we experience is Oliver's abduction. Okay. And, and what happened afterwards, so the only the only thing we have on this guy is what he he is telling us, right but ultimately he seems very unreliable because like he basically just wants to kill all these people so like their souls come into him and he can communicate with the aliens right or the the extra dimensional beings um and like maybe that's how it works, but like it seems like that would not be the case right if you, if you think about it for like two seconds you're like. No, that can't be right.
1: Well, yeah. I I mean, like, it comes off pretty crazy uh, in the book, I would say. And, like, you know, I think obviously there is a undeniable uh, component of, like, this group that is, you know, I think, modeling Scientology. Uh, And, you know, that was founded by a sci-fi author.
0: You know, it's so weird. Nick and I were just talking about Scientology.
1: Yeah, like, so you you know, I think obviously he seems like a dubious authority. Uh, you know, I, but to your reading of the end, it's almost like maybe he was right by accident about something about what you know, like, if what he was saying was on base and he just didn't really understand the mechanics of how to do it or whatever. I mean, that's interesting.
0: So, all right, let me put it to you this way. Have you ever heard um, – I think it's a poem actually, uh, but the story of the elephant and the blind men? No. All right, so I'll, I'll give you the story super fast, and I'm not going to go through the whole story because it will take a few minutes, but – uh, super quick. Basically, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a poem. It might be based on like an older, like actual mythology, like Hindu or Buddhist or something. Um, but basically, like there's an elephant and there's like a group of blind men. I don't remember how many, like five or seven, something like that. And the blind men come up to the elephant. So they're, they're asked like, you know, reach up in front of you and, and tell me what you feel. Right, So one blind guy goes and like feels the elephant's trunk and he's like, oh, like this must be like a, a giant snake right? because all he feels is the trunk. And then another guy like touches one of the back legs. And he's like, oh, like it's very rough and like cylindrical and tall. Like the elephant must be a tree. Uh, and then one guy like climbs up on the ear and he's like, oh, like it's smooth and like soft and such and such. So it must be like, I don't remember what he says, like a a flower or something um and basically it's like an allegorical story about like the way people view the world right um you can all you have is your own personal experience right so when you try to grasp reality or i mean in the case of this and i I would assume in the case of the story also um like grasp what god might be um you you don't really know so you just like grasping with your limited senses and try to gain some understanding. Right? So ultimately like all these guys are touching the same elephant. But because they're touching different parts of it, they see God or the elephant as like a totally different thing. Right? So for some of them it's a snake, for some it's a tree, for some it's a flower or whatever. Um and it's the same thing maybe with Raj, right? Like he says he had an experience and maybe he did have an experience. But maybe there's something about his, like, pre-existing judgments that when he had this experience, his takeaway was completely different than Oliver's takeaway. And so his takeaway is, like, yes, I can go back to these people and, like, be an extra-dimensional, like, enlightened entity. Um, but the way for me to do that is, like, everyone kills themselves and brings their soul into me, and I'm like an antenna, and I shoot myself up. Whereas, like, Oliver sees maybe, like, a little closer to what these entities had in mind in terms of, like, evolving yourself, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, is, is that what they were trying to do with him the whole time, Oliver? Like, because I think that speaks to what you were talking about. Like, maybe Raj had an experience, but his experience was being gone a week you know why only keep him a week, but keep Oliver for years, and then do this whole thing, whatever, whatever we saw play out here. You, you know, so yeah, I mean, what and it, and what it, their purpose was, I, I guess, is still kind of like for speculation.
0: Well, and and maybe let's 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 just say that Raja's story is true, right? Maybe they both were abducted. And the reason why Raj was only gone a week and Oliver was gone for years is that when he was taken, like these entities saw potential in both of these guys, right? So they took him and then like pretty quickly they realized like this Raj dude, not going to work out. Let's just send them back. Mm-hmm. Right. So he gets like yeah. part of the truth. Whereas Oliver, having been there for much longer, gets a larger piece of the truth and can make like a more informed judgment, right? Even, even if he still has no idea what the hell's going on yes
1: and i i realize i think an edit has bearing that um like when they they're flashing back in, in this kind of regression ceremony uh at, like to the scene where he's the his friend is telling him you've got to go back to earth and get the medicine or whatever uh that when he's like when he volunteers to go back to earth the friend says fascinating mm like, as if that, you, you know, he's studying him, and, like, that was – it's – it's this study is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just throwing that out there.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, what do you think about the, the men in black? Are, are these things the same things that abducted him?
1: That actually was my – my reading uh, was, like, given that they disappear at the end along with him –
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, like, maybe they were, what if the whole time they were, I don't know, just trying to protect him or, you know, like, watch him. Um, and so that's why they, they leave at the same time. But I don't know.
0: Yeah, so that makes sense. I, uh, I was thinking about that. I was, I was, I was reading the issue. Um, and, and I wasn't quite sure. Cause, like, some of the stuff they say, doesn't seem to fit with like the experience that we've seen Oliver have, right? And, and granted, like, technically we've only like seen him talk to that one little like fox bird thing. Um, what was the little thing's name?
1: I'm trying to remember. Yeah. The, whatever. The it little was cute. Whatever
0: it was. The but... little, the little cute fox bird thing. Um, cat, dog, whatever thing. Fluffy thing. And, uh, that's the only thing we've seen him talk to. And, and you're right. Like, because they disappear when Oliver disappears, then it does seem to make sense that, like, they came and grabbed them and they went off, right? So they're the same beings. Um, maybe they just seem different because maybe they're, like, a different type of that being. You know what I mean? Like, the little thing that Oliver talks to is, like, a scientist or, like, a counselor. And these guys are, like, enforcers, right? So, like, their approach is different. Because like if the thing is if they're the same, why don't just like abduct them like they abducted him when he was a kid,
1: yeah, and I mean more to the point why erase his memory before he gets here, yeah, right, you know, like I, I yeah, don't know, so,
0: so I think I think the erasing the memory part is part of the whole deal, right, because like the point is not for you to like have this experience with these extra dimensional beings and like know how the universe works the point is like you you're given the knowledge but it's up to you to figure out how how to use it and how it works and how to read it right and if you and if you're able to read it and use it properly then you're able to go back to this place and if you can't you end up like raj you see what i mean
1: yeah maybe you know
0: but like
1: seems like a pretty tough test
0: well i mean if you're going to have the the knowledge of the universe, like it's not going to be an easy thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they're going to make you work for it. Um, we can't go into yeah. that direction. We must start talking about mushrooms again.
1: Yeah. Well, I will say that, uh, I mean, I think it's interesting, obviously that, you know, like we, we also assuming that this regression vision that he has also is true. On, like on face value, that is another interesting example of maybe the cult leader like isn't a hundred percent like cuckoo crazy (laughs) you know like it's just it's a little it's a little tough to really evaluate what's going on if if we don't really like know like like what is and isn't I, i don't know like there's there's a lot left open to interpretation i guess
0: yes i agree with that i agree with that um, just to go back to an earlier point, I, I did feel the way you felt about the ending though, because I got to the end and, and for some reason, like the page count caught me, right? Like I was like, oh, this is the last page. How how are we ending this? Um, and then that whole thing happened and I was like, wait, what, what just happened? And so I had to go back like a page or two and reread it. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I'm good. Uh, cause I, that, I did not expect that ending at all. Um, and I think that's a good thing. You know, I, I often complain when I like, especially when I watch movies, not so much with comics and other things, but like, there's so many movies that I'll start watching and like 15 minutes in, I'm like, oh yeah, like this is how this movie ends. Right. And you get to the end and you know, that's exactly what happens. And you're like, okay, like that was fun. That was a fun hour and a half, but like, I want to be blown away. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm in- investing this time, I'll be like, oh shit, did not see that coming. Uh, and I, I kind of felt like that with this book. Uh, I re- to be honest, I felt like that, like this entire issue, because um, I'm I'm reading this stuff with Raj and the, the Star Children. I'm like, man, like either Elliot and I are like long lost twins, or like you know, like Elliot understands this bit that he's writing. You know what I mean? And because I understood a lot of it, it kind of resonated with me a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's intriguing, dude. Like it's it's an approach to to storytelling. That's obviously like in contrast to something where you check all the boxes and and you're very precise about what happens and what you're trying to say, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, maybe it kind of lends itself to the subject matter, you know. And that, you know, I don't know. It's all kind of, I don't know. I, I, I think even people who have extraterrestrial experiences like don't necessarily like know what happens mm. or, you know, like I, I feel like there's some amount of like unreliability in people that are recounting their own experiences. But sure. so, you know, maybe that is more in keeping with the subject matter. This kind of like ambiguity about who's
0: right in what happens. Mm hmm. Yep, that's true. Uh, what else do you have on this book?
1: Mm, I mean, I think that is a lot of it. I guess I will say, uh, you know, it's interesting how much the cop gets into it, mm, gets yeah. like in, in, invested in all of it. And, you know, he's like, you know, wounded at the end of the issue. So I don't I don't know, like, if it's guaranteed he survives to go back to his wife and make it up to her, you know.
0: I mean, I think we can assume he does, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's it's striking
1: how far he went out on that limb. And I wonder if it just speaks to how big of a thing this has been to him for, like, you know, the better part of a decade or two. Yeah, right, right, right. This, like, unsolved, super famous case.
0: Yep, that's true. Yeah. All right, very good. Uh, I think that's going to wrap up our chat of Midnight Vista. So you want to rate this one up? Uh, Yeah, I'll go four out of five. You're wrong. It's five out of five. This Ah. is great. It's great. I'm going to – I think this weekend I'm going to reread this entire series now that that it's over. See if I can catch any other little tidbits in there. Uh, Very good. So uh, that's the end of that discussion but not the end of the episode because before we started recording, I looked up the publishing schedule and we have no books next week or what? the week after no yes the next book is not for another 3 weeks uh so that'll be february 5th so that's the day we'll be uh we'll be back with the next episode uh that will be with a new book uh, in fact looking at the next month travis there are three new titles coming out next month uh so i think i think that kind of makes sense with maybe the part of the slowdown in the publishing uh so if if you want to talk about this for a couple minutes i'd be interested um because it seems like maybe we're we're entering the next phase uh in aftershock. uh we just haven't like had such a long run in between issues until now i mean i guess with the christmas holiday sure but that's to be expected right you take a couple weeks off uh let people spend time with their family but uh you know aftershocks always been really good about like putting out several new books every single year and uh and i think over the last year there's been uh, like there's definitely been new books but we've also seen a lot of like pre-existing titles coming back for like a volume two or a volume three right um or in the case of animosity just like continuing and uh and i remember when when aftershock first launched like it was more like this right where you had a slate of like five or six books and like that was the publishing schedule for a few months. And then you had like a brand new slate, and that was your publishing schedule for a few months. Uh so maybe we're we're getting a little bit back to that. And uh I really like it. I'm I'm excited to see like a bunch of new properties coming out.
1: Yeah, I mean what I would say is, you know, I, I feel like Aftershock has a lot of new books all the time, you sure. know? And it's, it's exciting whenever there's a new series that's announced and you read about it and then a few weeks or a few months later, you know, you get to see, uh, first hands. Um, I, I know it's just interesting that multiple series all ended at the same time and that multiple new ones are starting up at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, some, I, I feel like maybe thinking about other publishers like when you're putting in kind of a new slate or whatever like a lot of people try to stagger that monthly so you're only doing like one new series a month and so when you end one like there's there's some overlap and you start a new one that month but everything else like has continuity um you know that maybe is a little bit tougher to execute when maybe certain series, you don't know for sure how many issues it's going to be, you know, like there can be a little bit of unpredictability there. If you're kind of like maybe hoping for like an extended run based on sales. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, the good thing being we get a lot of new stuff all at once and that's fun.
0: Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, I do see, uh, a little change too on here, um, and I'm trying to think. I don't think this is the case now. So, you know, aftershockers. If I'm wrong, by all means, let me know. Um, but there is a price hike for these new books, uh, but also an increase in page count. Because um, hmm. the the three new books that are going to be coming out next month are all four ninety nine books, and they're all thirty two pages. Hmm. That's supposed to what we're getting now, which is three ninety nine and I. think... I want to say like 26. I don't know what the exact number is. Um, definitely not 32 pages. So that's interesting. I don't know if it's like more story or like additional back matter. Uh, either way, I'm good. I love back matter. I wish more publishers put more back matter into, into the books. Um, I know adding like additional pages gets expensive. Um, I remember hearing a while ago that there's like, there's like a number where, like, it doesn't really matter. Um And I think it's, like, multiples of eight, so it makes sense that it would be 32 pages. Because um, I think, like, a 32-page book would be cheaper to print than, like, a 26-page book. I could be wrong, but I remember hearing that from someone that works in comics a few years ago. Uh Someone that you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, but if it's cheaper, then they, you know, shouldn't be... You know, jacking the price unless there's more content. You know, like I back matter is great, but you know, making people pay an extra buck for another four pages of back matter is like ah, uh, maybe not not the super best idea. But if it's additional story or or you know whatever backup stories, like that's a little bit easier to sell. I think.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what yeah, you mean.
1: but it, i mean, assuming it is more story, that's cool, you yeah. know like i I read a lot of humanoids comics, sure. and you know they're more like fifty pages an issue or something, and they are significantly more expensive, but it's you know a different format for telling your story,
0: dude, I read so much uh what's his name Jodikowski? This thisrowskirowski yeah. yeah dude i read uh what's the what's the one that I just read? Uh, The White Llama.
1: God, that was so good. Yeah, dude.
0: God, he's fucking awesome.
1: Joe Yeah,
0: he's great. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so three new books next month. Uh, kind of a light schedule though. So we have, uh, there's going to be a new issue of Dark Art next month and, uh, the conclusion to Shoplifters will be liquidated as well, uh, at the end of the month. Uh, but the three new books next month will be The Man Who F'd Up Time. That's, uh, John Lehman and Carl Mostert. Uh, it's so weird. That's a very simple name, and it seems to be harder than all the other ones. Um, that's coming out on the 5th, so that'll be our next book discussion. Then we'll have a week off, and then the 19th is God Killers, number one. I'm very excited for that. It's Mark Sable in Mon House. And then really excited for this one on the 12th. Oh, okay. So there's not a week off. Uh, Undone by Blood or the Shadow of a Wanted Man. That's the new uh Zach and Lonnie book with Sam Cavello and Art. Can't wait for that. Yeah. That's the, uh, the crazy western type book. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, sounds like a good month, dude. Good stuff.
0: Yeah, can't wait. All right. So, uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Aftershock Central podcast. Uh, thanks for being here. Hope you enjoyed the episode and the book discussion. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about the man who effed up time. Uh, I don't think that's the actual name. I think it's a uh, F like symbol, symbol, symbol. ED time um, and that's it
1: we run a clean podcast
0: nah, I don't know about that you yeah. can find us on twitter at the great magnet at geekvine tell Ronnie hello he's uh, going through some tough times right now at Runbro 316 the show is at Aftershock Pod. thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one